Welcome back everyone to episode five of Combat Contenders, The Fighter's Guidebook. Today, I'm joined by Michael Sugarbomb Claycomb, a black belt in karate and Muay Thai champion from California. Today's episode, we discuss Michael's journey in karate, being the son of a karate master, the black belt mindset and philosophy, as well as some of the emotional and mental aspects that a fighter needs to overcome to succeed. Today's episode is sponsored by Tenacity and Perseverance Clothing. TNP is a Latin-founded, faith-based workout apparel brand with t-shirts, shorts, and hoodies. TNP was kind enough to send me some of their shirts, and I was not only impressed by the printing quality, but also the softness of the material. They recently launched a bunch of new products and designs, so head over to Tenacity, the letter N, PerseveranceClothing.com, or use the link in the bio. Don't forget to use the code DOUBLEDECKER15 for 15% off your order. Welcome back, everyone. You guys know that I like to jump straight into it. I'm here with Michael Sugarbomb Claycomb. Um, Michael, thanks for joining me today. Thank you for having me, man. It's been a pleasure. I've been talking about this for a minute, so I'm excited. Uh, for everyone who doesn't know, could you just kind of give a summary? Who is Michael Claycomb? So I am a karate fighter. I've been doing karate, Shotokan karate, uh, since I was four uh, with my dad and his dojo. And I've been training all my life. Uh, I'm now 23, so about 19 years. I started fighting uh, back in 2021, but I made the decision to start fighting back in 2019. So I've been doing this now for about four years, like training uh, specifically for doing fighting. Uh, I have about eight amateur fights, uh, five wins with three losses. Uh, hopefully keep going, come pro get to the higher uh you know higher levels and uh you know become a great fighter and yeah that's a little you know just a little bit about me yeah we're definitely gonna we're gonna unpack a lot of these things today um you specifically mentioned shotokan karate um mm -hmm. i feel like a, a lot of a lot of the listeners in the combat sports area don't quite fully have a grasp or understanding of traditional martial arts in the same way that we do um mm -hmm. can you explain kind of what is the importance of saying Shotokan karate versus other styles of karate and why there are different styles? Uh, well, the importance of, you know, saying Shotokan karate. So not a lot of people, at least in America, are aware of what Shotokan karate is. You know, that's where I live. I'm in California. Um, so Shotokan karate is, originates from Okinawa. Uh, it was brought to Japan and it is... The founders, you know, Gishin Honokoshi. And being a Shotokan fighter, saying that comes with a lot of pride because a lot of the karate that is here, at least, is more Americanized. Uh, you got Kempo karate. You got, uh, I mean, I'm not going to go into all the Bushido types of martial arts as well, but there are those out there. There's McDojos. Um, and a lot of people think that the point kickboxing Kempo karate is that's what they think of me when I say karate and that's not what I am I, I grew up in the traditional Shotokan tournament with point karate like as you see in WKF or the JKA style and uh, it's it's very different than what people see like you know you got Raymond Daniels Stephen Thompson you got MVP those are all Kempo karate guys and there is a difference in terms of not only the their stance their philosophies um, but also the way that they go about their way of thinking as well. Well, I mean, I guess that's kind of, you know, philosophies. Um, there's, there's minor differences. There are some similarities, but, um, it's not the same. And I think a lot of people don't, they're not aware of the mindset of Shotokan Karate. Uh, I don't think they understand truly how Shotokan practitioners think or go about fighting. They think that all karate people have like this bladed type of stance or they're supposed to have this bladed bouncy type stance, uh, which I disagree with. Uh, I think you can have that, but I don't think they only have that. Uh, and they think karate is only about like kicks and all these flashy movements when it's not, it's not just that it's, it's much more. Uh, and then, you know, there's all this, there's all the hidden treasures in, in kata as well too that people don't understand they don't know uh the bonkai or applications of a lot of the techniques that they see they think all these weird techniques in the air are just 
pointless and yeah so it's there there's there's, there's a lot of things that come with being shotokan because there's the art the martial art side of it and then there's the sport side as well and uh a lot of people don't even understand the sport side let alone the martial art side so it's just like a yeah it's just chaos it's, you know yeah i mean i've i've had the unique experience of my base style of karate is tang sudo which is in the korean karate as many people call it um very very similar to shotokan but also has many influences from that kempo karate style as well um like a highlight so almost yeah i've had i've had the experience and privilege of kind of experiencing the best and worst of both oh, worlds yeah <laughs> um and it's funny that you mentioned the bunkai stuff i recently just started teaching at a at a school down in brooklyn karate and we're going through all the katas and stuff um and then i start explaining what the actual moves are and show it to them in like practical self-defense situations and like watching their minds kind of just explode a little right. bit i mean even even black belts like that are like yeah 17 18 years old that have been doing katas their entire life i'm like what are you doing right now and they're like well i'm doing you know this i'm like does, like have you ever done that in like an actual fight like what, does that make any sense to do that and they're like no not no. really i'm like so then why would it be this like let's let's break it down let's try and understand like what we're actually what right. we're actually doing and watching their minds minds explode a little bit is kind of is kind of funny but you mentioned that you know you grew up with your dad as kind of one of your instructors and he's a karate master himself and you've had the unique experience and privilege from taking in all this information from him so like what was that like um it, it's it's uh i mean well first of all it's a blessing you know having having your father as your your teacher is so amazing in so many ways uh I don't lie. Didn't, I don't I, lie. I, it's a curse too. Don't lie. It's a curse. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's it can be it can be either your greatest weapon or it can be like the worst, and it just depends on how you go about it. So, like even even now, like having my dad because he's also my coach in my fighting as well. Uh, you know, we always run into obstacles, and most of that is because of my own uh imperfections of in my own lack of understanding of what he's trying to do and my own uh bad habits of myself of you know when you have a father-son combo there's always like butting heads and uh so sometimes you know there's fights and there's things and disagreements uh, but at the same time there's also like so much trust so much love so much uh passion that goes into it because like he's your father he doesn't want anything wrong for you so you don't have to worry about that he only wants what's best for you so not having a father be your sensei it's like well you sometimes you might not know because well they're not your father unless you've been with them of course for years like you, it takes time to develop that relationship as opposed to like since day one like my dad's always had my best interest because he's my dad and uh so there's it just you, if anyone is a father-son combo it just takes time to understand like uh your dad loves you and he wants you to be the best and you kind of just have to take it with a grain of salt sometimes even if you don't like it and uh and that's kind of where i'm at a little bit like i'm starting to appreciate and starting to realize that all these things as opposed to before i was always like i don't want to listen to dad i don't want to like shut up like i don't know what you're saying like whatever i'm gonna do this you know and i mean yeah i bring i bring that my dad coached coached rugby in college and mm -hmm. coached pretty high level soccer as well. And I played soccer growing up. And so I definitely, nice, nice. I definitely can recognize that experience of your dad kind of, well, my dad on the sideline or just being like, do better or do it this way or do it, do it this way. Or like even on the car ride right. home from whatever, and they're talking to you and you're just like, dad, leave me alone. Right. At the same time, it's, looking back i mean even him with me in karate i remember him watching me in class and he would do he would hold up his hand at like five and what that meant is at the end of class you owe me five push-ups and throughout the class he would tally he would tally if i if i if i messed if i messed up or if i was talking back or if i if i did something stupid or or, or like 
whatever, he would he would just look at me and he'd go five. And oh in class, I would, I'd have like forty push-ups to, at like thirteen years old, like forty push-ups to do or something. <laughs> you know, I'm 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 down there on my knuckles doing the push-up. Like screw you, dad. This is stupid. <laughs> but it's honestly moments like that where it's. It's those, like are the, those are the good memories. Those are yeah, good memories. like I bring that up all the time, and I'm like, how many other dads, like, watch their kid do their sport and like had that much investment exactly. in it? Like, because even when I teach, most most parents just drop their kids off, leave, and like, or even are there, like, on their phone scrolling, don't really care. Like, right, they're not so like it. It's such a blessing to have like a, a figure in that life that truly does have your best interest at heart. And and speaking of your father and a little bit going back to the style of karate, can you kind of explain the philosophy that he's imposed on you on what karate should be and what karate is and how, how karate is truly like a fighting style that isn't necessarily what people imagine it to be? So, like I like I was saying earlier, there's there's two sides to karate or Shotokan karate, right? Uh, maybe even I don't I don't know Tanksudo, so I can't speak for it, mm-hmm. uh, and I and I don't want to because I don't want to disrespect you or you know Tanksudo. Um, but coming from a Shotokan perspective, right? Uh, there's two sides, like I was saying. There's the the martial arts, like the self defense side, and the sport side. Um, so growing up in tournaments, we always had katas and then kumite sparring, and Kumite was more of the, it was the sport. And then Kata is like the representation of the martial arts side, but in a sport-like manner. And so being a Shotokan fighter, the way you go about fighting, uh, something that we always talk about is Ikenitsatsu, which is one strike, one kill. So everything's based off of sword fighting because in Okinawa times when karate was created, it was because Imperial Japan had samurai at the time. And so when they conquered or tried to conquer Okinawa, everyone had to defend themselves from the samurai who had swords. So they had to learn how to fight swordsmen with their hands or whatever farming tools they have, right? And in the sport, that is represented. Uh, obviously, we, well, I mean, there there is kendo, right? Where they have the, the, the shinai. You know, and they have the mask and they, they do that. But in the Shotokan karate fighting, they also represent that as well, even though not with actual swords or the wooden shinai, right? Um, but the mindset. So it's all based on whoever strikes first, because, you know, if, if we both have swords, who wins? Whoever slices the other person first, right? So obviously you can't do that with real swords because if you kill your partner, well, you don't have a partner, right? You can just... So you had to learn how to basically learn how to control so that you can keep going or keep training with that same person, right? And uh, so being a Shotokan karate fighter, everything's based upon that first strike. And everything is based on timing, uh, understanding rhythm, patterns, uh, distance management, uh, looking for opportunities, creating opportunities to get that first strike. And then when you get that first strike, it's you know, Ikenitsatsu, one strike, one kill. So everything's based around that. Uh, so that's what I think is being a Shotokan karate fighter is supposed to represent. It's supposed to be about understanding timing and all, the, you know, all those things that I talked about to achieve that, that one kill. And when I watch like, you know, Raymond Daniels or, you know, MVP, uh, Stephen Thompson, you know, when you look at what they did growing up, they did the the point, I think it's called the, the point kickboxing. I uh, you know everything's in a side stance and, you know, you see them flicking out like kicks or, you know, whatever they're doing. And it's more towards like just how many points you can get as opposed to just like understanding like it's one strike, one kill. Like it's, it's, it's different. It's their focus. The focuses are different. And that's why when I, say like I'm a karate fighter I don't say just karate I say Shotokan karate so anyone who does know it's like oh okay it's a different mindset essentially you know what I mean yeah I mean like I said I've had the privilege to learn both kind of perspectives upon it and how I'm teaching my students now is they compete in more of that Kempo point kickboxing style but what I always say to them is I want you to learn 
how to fight, but you can still be successful in any rule set. Right. Right. Like right. the principles of fighting don't change. The principles of distance control, the, the principles of finding angles, the principles of closing the distance or knowing when to back up or pivot or when do I keep the distance with a poking jab or a sidekick or when do I close that distance and one strike, one kill type thing. Right, right. Those principles apply whether you're doing any any form, mixed martial arts, kickboxing, this Kempo style karate. That's one of my biggest goals with them. Um, but how did you kind of get started in competition? I mean, I definitely know that the WKF style has received a lot of criticism over mm -hmm. the years. And that's kind of like why things like karate combat have come about and some other right. full contact karate leagues. Um, what was your kind of experience competing under those rule sets versus beginning to transition into full contact? And how was that transition like? Um, well, I started basically in competition when I was about four to five years old. Um, but when I was, uh, so I, I competed from, you know, for age four to five, uh, and I stopped when I was about 14, 15, um, when I was coming up. So like I, you know, I was talking about WKF, which I agree has gotten a lot of backlash, uh, especially if you watch the Olympics with the guy who got knocked out and, but then won, right. You're like, what the heck? Uh, that's, I mean, that's a whole nother story too, or, you know, that's another conversation, but, uh, when I was coming up, WKF wasn't like what you see in the Olympics. Um, it was going towards it, but it wasn't there yet. And what I mean is if you watch current WKF, a lot of the things that they do in terms of their mechanics or the way they go about scoring the points, they're not essentially effective strikes like when you're talking about like you can talk to right the blow is supposed to be a blow it's not supposed to be like a tap or you know like you know there's there's pepper shots right like in full contact when you pepper right as you're saying there's reasons for that but when you're talking about scoring a point based on the effectiveness of i'm gonna kill you it shouldn't be a strike where it's leaving you vulnerable or it should barely touching or it, there's no room to actually commit to the blow so one of the criteria is you have to control your strikes right like you know saying you need your throwing partners right for the next day so the premise of controlling your strikes it needs to be a significant blow to where if you didn't control your strike you would have killed them but you controlled it which is why it's a point it shouldn't be like I'm barely reaching and I have no more left to go. So even if I were to actually try to commit, I, I wouldn't actually be able to. And that's kind of where WKF is right now. It's They've taken it so far of control where it's like, even if they tried to commit, they wouldn't actually be able to because there's nothing left based on their whether it's their mechanics or just whatever they're doing to try and close that distance. As opposed to when I was growing up, there was more intent was more vicious intent behind what they were doing uh and if you go back into the 90s even or the 80s uh and you watch older wkf or even jka when you look at the way the points are being scored they're more vicious there's there's actual intent behind them and then they're controlling as opposed to now there's not really that killer instinct type of intent behind it so when they do score it's like a wimpy looking punch or a wimpy looking kick that if you were to actually even try to do it full contact, it probably wouldn't even work in a real life you know, scenario. Um, because, you know, like I was saying, like karate is based on it's, it was a martial art first and the martial art is self-defense. And that includes like, you might have to kill someone if they're trying to kill you, right. Or kill someone that they're trying to, uh, you know, if they're trying to kill a loved one or whoever it is. Right. So there's that intent that has to be there. And it's originally translated into this world like in the 80s, 90s, uh, even a little bit when I was growing up. As to where now, it's like that intent is just completely, at least what I feel in the WKF, I feel like that intent is just not there. And that's where I feel is the biggest downfall of WKF is it's more like playing tag as opposed to like actual fighting 
with control. You know what I mean? That's that's one of the biggest things that, well, one that I try to tell my students in regards to point fighting is not all points are created equal, even though in point fighting they are. Like a kick to the body is the same in, in this style. A point, a, a kick to the body is the same as a punch to the face and in some smiles to both one point. I'm like, in some instances in a full contact fight, I will gladly like catch a kick to the body or step off to the side slightly and eat it mm-hmm. to hit you with a cross to the face. Like right. that one point fight and you might score the point with the kick to the body. I just smashed you in the face with my fist. Like that's not equal. <laughs> so like, right, right, right. And then another thing in regards to the WKF that bothered me a lot is it's not only the intent, you're right, but it's also kind of the perfectionist of the technique. Like mm-hmm. if the technique isn't performed perfectly, it won't score. And I, I have a an example of this when I would compete in the WKF style is someone kind of went in for for their cross to the body and I did a migarity to the to the chest and mm-hmm. the guy like flew backwards, but like my leg was not extended all the way or something and it was more and i'm like happened to me too and i'm like how is this not a point like i just smashed him across the like they're like oh you didn't retract your kick i'm like who cares i kicked him like across the ring (laughs) like so it's it's i definitely hear you and then it's like when they do those those hook kicks from the clinch that like where they tap and there's like and they're falling and there's like, <laughs> and there, there's like no way would that I've landed hook kicks in sparring with like the bottom of my foot, not with the heel, um, right on people. And you have to have distance. You have to like be able to swing it through. You have to like, there's momentum what, that needs to be generated. Like Wonderboy Thompson has a great hook kick that he uses. He, you can't do that from the clinch, right? Like, so I see, yeah, I think that's where. Whenever people ask me, like, oh, you do karate, like, what is that? I, I show them JKA videos. Right. That's what I show. Like, that, that is what, that is what it's like. It's, there's, and even the point system, the rule set, like, JKA is two points and you win. Right. Right. Like, it's, that I, is two points you win. Like, there's, you do not want to get hit. Whereas in WKA, you can get like 14 to seven. No, if you got hit right. 14 times, you got hit five times, you're, you're like done. Like, that's how it right. be. It's different from Muay Thai and kickboxing because karate, it's bare knuckle. It's if I get a grab, if I get a hold of you and I cut an angle and I pull you and punch you at the same time with my bare, bare knuckle, knuckle. Yeah. Like you're not, that's, you're, you're it's, done. it's not the same. <laughs> right. 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 Anyway. So you, you stopped competing when you were about 14. Um, mm. Was your goal, did you stop competing because you kind of started to see where things were going and you wanted to do full contact or what was kind of your reasoning behind that? Um, well, I wasn't the one who started seeing it. It was my dad who first saw it. And then as I got older, I started to understand it and started seeing it for myself. Um, so he kind of pulled us away from it because uh, I was, it was me and my sister were, were both black belts. She's not a fighter. She, you know, she, she has her own you know, career now and she's doing her own job. And she's just, she still practices karate and she'll, yeah, she still teaches, but she's not like a fighter. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was me and her. And that's when we both kind of like got pulled out of it was towards that transition of when WK was becoming where it is now. Um, and at that time, we were leaning more towards uh, entering the kickboxing realm and uh, going into full contact training a little bit more. I didn't know that I wanted to be a fighter yet, um, but it definitely did help uh, start that phase, I guess you can kind of say. Um, but yeah, it was definitely my dad who started seeing it first. And then he was the one that kind of was like, okay, we need to go in a different direction because he, he saw where we're going and then let alone it, it went that way. And it's like, you know, it is. Yeah, it is. I, I think that's interesting that you say that your sister is not a fighter, but she's a karate black belt too. And I think that's like an important distinction. Like no one, when people say, oh, I train Muay Thai, no one expects them to be a fighter and like get in the ring. But it's an almost, it almost is an expectation of people being like, oh, I do karate and I am a black belt. It almost is like an expectation like, oh, so then you can fight. 
right? Like, you know what I mean? I think that's a, I just well, it depends on the term. It depends on the term fight, right? Because there's fighting in the ring and then there's fighting in real life. Exactly. I mean, it's also just like, like, I don't expect everyone I do more tie with at my gym to get in the ring. Like, I understand how like grueling and intense that is, but it is almost like everyone when they hear you're a black belt in karate is like, so you think you could beat a boxer in a fight? And you're like, I didn't, I didn't say that. Like, like I, right. like, do you expect that everyone who does Muay Thai can beat? Like, they don't fight. Like, why? It's just an interesting right. observation. Um, but so you started to train in the full contact, and I've watched some of your fights, and I love how true and authentic you are to what karate should be and what karate is. Um, how? How I'm sure some of that was your dad's pressure to remain that way, but how has karate helped you within the full contact ring? When in what ways? Um, for instance, I, I some people mentioned to me that I have great distance management, or that I could hit them while moving backwards, or I can hit them from interesting angles. Um. There's kind of like this 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 idea that that someone's been who's been training karate for a long time would not necessarily do well against someone who's been training like Muay Thai or kickboxing for like three years. Mm -hmm. um, I don't necessarily subscribe to that philosophy, but I do recognize that there are some adjustments that need to be made to karate in order to make it kind of like effective in that combat sports area. Um, however, I do believe it is one of the most effective bases for someone mm -hmm. to have. Um, so I'm yeah. just curious about your experience with that. Okay. Um, what do you mean? Like, how was it transitioning almost in a way? Yeah. How, how was the transitioning? Like what stuff worked? What stuff didn't work? Was it like seamless? Were there hiccups? What, what kind of happened? Um, so for me, like I said, I finished competing at 14. So I think what, you know, what people need to understand too, like people watching this, the sport karate, or at least what I would like WKF style, uh, is very limited. Like you can't do any curving punches. You can't do, uh, kicks below the waist. Uh, you have to control, right? So making the, the, the transition to like kickboxing, for instance, uh, it wasn't necessarily like a transition in terms of me having to adjust my techniques. It was more of a transition of my mindset of, okay, well, now I can do everything that I want to do, essentially. Um, because like in karate, if you look at katas, there are curving punches. There are uh, kicks that are below the waist. There are you know, whatever. I mean, there's, there's a bunch of stuff, but like in terms of what's allowed in kickboxing, like you can now do all these things, uh, that you couldn't do in, in sport karate. So you just have to kind of unlock your mind a little bit and just be willing to expand. It's not necessarily like, Oh, I have to change, uh, like in terms of technique or how I go about, uh, hitting people. Uh, like from a technical standpoint, it's more like, okay, now just hit them hard as you can. You don't have to hold back anymore. Okay. Now you can hit below the leg. Okay. Now you can do curving stuff. Now you can do whatever. Um, like even in my first fight, uh, it was, it was me just kind of getting used to getting hit and more me figuring out what I'm allowed to do now with my own body. Cause I wasn't used to that with point karate. So I just had to kind of get over that hump. I didn't necessarily have to change like my stance, my uh, my technical uh, understanding of punching or whatever it was like that. Um, so it wasn't too hard. Um, it's hard for me because of my own mental things that I have to overcome. But like, it's not necessarily like a transition from changing. Uh, of technique it's just like okay you need to unlock yourself a little bit you know what i mean 
Yeah. What was uh, what, did, what was the result of that first fight, if you mind me asking? Uh, first fight, I won. Uh, I won by decision. Uh, I believe it was a split decision, uh, which was weird because the two judges thought I won 30 to 27, but then the second judge thought I lost 29, 28. So I was like, okay, whatever. Um, but I did win my first fight. It was a split decision. Uh, yeah, it was it was a fun fight. It was fun. Yeah, I feel like I feel like I've had. I feel like I'm starting to, to to agree with a lot of what you're saying. Um, I feel like the more I've fought, the more I've been. I don't want to say defaulting back to my karate roots. Um, it it was more so like understanding the rule set understanding what i can and cannot do right um, so for me when i kind of went from the point karate and point kickboxing to the full contact stuff i kind of learned muay thai like i learned a strict muay thai stance i learned like a very high boxing guard i learned like the basic fundamentals of those things mm-hmm. um and then i've started to kind of supplement in a lot of the karate stuff that i've already known and understood and i i like the kind of right. way that you said it. it's kind of like unlocking right right it's we are so they're like changing or transitioning it's like unlocking yeah i think that was i think that's really interesting so like i now i now will, will keep my hands up but then sometimes if i'm like moving and bouncing i'll drop them a little bit and head movement and Right. Stand, I'll sometimes stand a little bit more bladed if I know that I'm like in and faster. If you see a sudden move that, or... yeah, exactly. Right. So it is. It is like a really interesting shift. I think it, it is mostly in the mind of, oh, here's like what I can do now, and here's what I can't do. Right. Um, with that in mind, do you think there are kind of any weaknesses that you had to address? that are i mean for me like i come from that bladed style stance so getting leg kicked was like the biggest thing that i had to adjust i had right, to right. i had to do one of those but um i had to shift my stance to be more square to, to in order to address that so that was like a weakness for me um were there any weaknesses that you kind of had to address in this in the specific style of karate that you were brought up in that were detrimental to you in terms of like a like a physical technical standpoint, not like mental. Yeah, were there any physical things that you like kept getting hit with over and over again? Were like, <laughs> all right, I need to figure out how to defend this or attack in this way. And it's okay if no, like it's totally totally open. Yeah, no, I uh, not not really to be honest. Uh, my stance has always been a little bit more square. It's long. And it's uh, a wide, long stance, but it's also a little more square. Um, that's mainly because, like, like I was saying before, like uh, coming up in the point karate, I was a little bit more of that JKA esque type of point fighting when I when WKF was like that more. Yeah, definitely, uh, definitely longer, more, more almost like you would be in a front stance, essentially. Right. Yeah. Looser. Just a little looser, right? Yeah. Um, I didn't, yeah, in terms of, like, techniques-wise, I never ran into any problem. The only problem I would say that I'm currently still trying to work on is just figuring out how to parry because boxing gloves are so damn clunky. Uh, yeah. Sometimes things just, like, cluster, you know? Like, they just, it's hard sometimes. So I'm, I am trying to adjust the way I... Uh, do my defense just a little bit um, but the main principles are still the same in terms of like okay I need to parry like uh, maybe like the way I parry or like the mindset of okay I'm going to parry and then do this but that's more of like a mental thing uh, mm-hmm. it's not yeah it wasn't, it wasn't too much of a change you know um, even when I was point fighting so like you know traditionally when you do like a reverse punch you put your hand to your hip mm-hmm. in point and in, in, in sparring point fighting uh you had to do that, but also like you were allowed to keep your hand by your chin, at least sometimes too. So I, it wasn't too much of an adjustment. Like, oh, I need to keep my hand up more now. Uh, it was more just like a mental, like, okay, just just keep your hand up, and that doesn't take training. It just takes like, hey, keep your hand up. You know, um, yeah, I, I didn't I didn't go through too much of a of a change in terms of like uh, a technical point perspective. You know, mm-hmm. well, 
Yeah. So I feel like you have a really good understanding of the kind of, I'll say, sports landscape of karate and understanding that. I mean, me personally, when I met your dad and you at the Kumite in Miami, it's there are not many people who study and train karate in the way that you and I have anymore. Right. They, right. A lot a lot of people are and this isn't even just karate when I say this. A lot of people, uh, whether it's any sport or even just in any aspect of study of anything, people are very surface level. They don't like yeah. to or they don't even try to dig. You know what I mean? It's it's not even try to dig. It's almost like that they don't know to dig. You know yeah, they I mean? don't even like, think like, hey, maybe I should try and think deeper. <laughs> it's it, exactly like when I was explaining the Brukai thing to the students and I was like, I asked them like, what is a low block? And they're like, you know, you're like blocking a kick with your, I'm like, yeah, it could be like a parry to a kick, but like, have you ever fully done like a stance with your pulling your skite back and low, like, like in a fight? And they're like, no, I'm like, then why? Like, maybe they're grabbing your wrist and you're doing a wrist strip, like, and you're pulling right. your hand back to like, and they're like, <laughs> yeah, their mind just like, like, just, like they don't, they don't understand because they've been told the one thing and they accept it as whatever. And right. So anyway, I feel like you have this understanding of what is out there and what is currently being taught. What are some tips or advice that you would give to aspiring karateka that wish to enter full contact kickboxing advice for full karateka that wish to go into kickboxing um i'd say it would just be believe in what you do have faith in what you do. And if you don't believe in what you do, because maybe there's doubt, or maybe you have disbelief, then I would advise question. Question, 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 until you come up with what you feel is the proper truth. Uh, on the contrary, assuming that you are already a experienced karateka, like a black belt, you know, questioning is fine. Uh, but like for new guys that like just don't know any karate at all, I feel like there is a period where you shouldn't question and you should be like taking things and just trying to absorb and understand. And then once you grasp it, then question like, you know, black, that's like, that's usually around black belt or at least brown belt level. Um, but let's just assume you're a black belt in karate and you're trying to become a fighter in kickboxing. Um, I, I say believe in what you do. And if you really have doubts, just question and I believe through curiosity, you will find the truth uh, or you'll find not the truth. And that will lead you to just finding out the truth eventually anyways. So I, I'm a huge believer in questioning and uh, self-reflection and what you're doing to, find, to fully understand it. Uh, because like I said earlier, there are those bullshito kind of McDojos out there. Um, and if your instructor doesn't know or can explain what it is that they're trying to do with you or trying to teach you or whatever it is, then maybe that should make you question why you're even there to begin with. Mm -hmm. You know, like I, like for me, like when I have a question with my dad, he always has like an answer. And sometimes I don't agree with the answer. Don't get me wrong. Like, like I said, we butt heads. Um, but even if, we butt heads like every time he always tells me something he always has like a logical explanation behind it and it's like oh, okay well you're not wrong like that makes sense so i think everyone should just be doing that even this isn't even for karate cause at this point it's it's kind of just for everyone like the more you question the more answers you'll find whether it's the truth or not the truth and that'll lead you to the right direction of where you are trying to go you know um so I think that's a little bit, it's a little bit more general towards everybody, not just karatekas. Um, but because there aren't many karatekas, it is a little harder. So I wouldn't even embellish more the questionings just to fully understand, you know? Yeah, I think, I think that's really important, especially when trying to understand 
I don't want to say real karate versus fake karate because that I don't right, want to, right. I don't want to bring that up. But there is a certain intention and history and authenticity behind Eastern martial arts and karate mm-hmm. and the history behind them versus some of the sportification, I'll call it, of the Western world. That's a good label. <laughs> um, and so it truly is just asking. And while, uh, like I said, the biggest thing I had to adjust for in 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 from the splated stance was squaring my stance so I didn't get kicked in the legs. But even right. that has like a justification. Oh, we want to kick with our front leg because it's faster and quicker and it's longer. Mm-hmm. Like, right, right. That makes sense. But then at in the same tone, I will also say, but hey, if you can get kicked in the legs, don't stand like this because you're gonna get kicked on your ass. Like, right, right. So there's there's balance for everything. There's balance, you know, a hundred percent, and it's asking the question is very very important i i think that is a big thing um i feel like i feel like people don't do that enough like you were saying everyone kind of just takes everything surface level and it's and it, i i know you said it's a whole other topic but it's almost that is the reason kind of i feel like kind of mcdojos have gotten as big and as prominent as they have because it's almost like here's a round kick cool and like that's it and then just like pay me a million dollars a month now to 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 do to teach your six-year-old how to how to do a round kick and that's like right um again i feel like it's I tell my students this all the time. I'm like, we are doing a martial art. Martial is like the imperative word. Like mm-hmm. we are training self-defense to, if someone attacks us, we are going to hurt them. Mm-hmm. Like we are training to hurt people. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's hard because a lot of the people don't want to do that. It's, it's, a, it's a big thing that necessary evil I think the, right. the popularity it's, of karate has benefited from it, but it also karate itself might have might has been hurt by it a little bit. I I, I don't know. Do you, do you watch Star Wars by any chance, dude? Who doesn't watch Star Wars? Yes. All right. So I I always like to think of Luke Skywalker or even Mace Windu for those that know. Uh, where it's like, it's all about your intention, of. Uh, like so they're like the bad people out there what are their intentions their intentions are to uh, hurt people kill people murder pillage rape whatever the bad word you want to use uh, their intentions are bad right so that's why what they do is is considered bad that doesn't mean the actions that they take to achieve them necessarily are bad because self-defense you have to hurt people in order to defend yourself. And if the intention is defending yourself, then is it bad? Right? Now, there are, of course, extremes on both spectrums. Um, but I, I do firmly believe, like, if you have the right intention, whether it's to protect yourself or protect your loved one or whatever it may be, then it's okay. And going back to, like, Luke Skywalker and Mace Windu is, like, the reason why they were so strong and so powerful is because they not only were masters in the light side but also they use like the dark side a little bit but it was about how they used it and with the intentions that they used it for you know what i mean i mean not to go all star warsy again but you know balance in the force um <laughs> right exactly exactly that's exactly what it is but even even taking a step down from that there's students like these higher level teenage black belts that i that i'm coaching and i i i've been trying to start to ask them what is your intent? Why with learning? Why like why what question right? Like, are you do you want to be like a world champion point fighter? Because that that is a completely different training regimen than do you want to be a kickboxer in the full contact ring, which is a completely different training regimen than I just want to be great at self defense, be able to protect myself. Like they're all different, right. 
there's no better way or worse way. It is what is your intent in learning the martial art. And it is, mm -hmm. it's, it's, I think that even goes back to what I was saying earlier about transitioning into the full contact. That was the biggest thing for me is what was my intent in training before my intent right. was, I want to get, I loved doing kata. I loved learning self-defense and I loved point sparring. Like that's what I love to do. And that was my intent. And so when I wanted to do full contact, like you said, my mind had to shift and my intent in the training had to shift. My karate didn't change, but the intent behind it did. Right. And even that's hard too. Uh, this is something that I kind of went through as well. Um, I didn't, I, I didn't touch on this too much because it was more of a mental thing. Uh, like I hate hurting people. I want everyone to thrive. I always try to find the good and balance and I always try to see the light in people. I don't like negative energy and I don't like anything that includes like hurting people. So for me as well, it was like, that's why point karate was so easy was because, well, it's controls. So I don't have to hurt you. But now it's like, I'm in the ring. Now I have to hurt you. Otherwise I was going to get knocked out. You know what I mean? And it's like, it's hard sometimes because you don't want to, but you have to. And that kind of where it goes back to like, well, why are you doing it? Right. Or what's the intent? You know what I mean? I mean, that's that's a big thing for me is on my last episode, I was talking about I almost, before I step in the ring, I almost disassociate. And like, I look at the person across from me on the ring as like not a person anymore. Because like, you all, you almost have to. You almost have I, to. Because the same way as you, I don't like hurting anyone. I mean, right here, here in New York, some subway tracks, you have to go in one subway tunnel and you can't access like the northbound versus southbound. This one woman was struggling to carry her groceries down the southbound and I needed to go northbound. I went across the street, helped her south. But like there's like inherent goodness that I just want to spread in the world. Right. And w but when I get in the ring, like I broke two like two fights ago, I broke my kid's ribs and like I don't wish that on him. But in the same same breath, I'm like, it could have been me. Like, right. And so it is like, why? Why do you do this? And I guess with that why do mm -hmm. you do this like why why are you stepping in the ring what is your what is your purpose yeah <laughs> uh well this is this is a great great time i guess to talk about that um so why why does michael sugarbomb claycomb decide to just go into the ring and spinning back kick people in the liver and knock them out right yeah you know like why would i put someone through so much agonizing pain uh for a long time, I didn't know. I'm going to be honest. For a long time, I didn't know. Um, but the reason I do this is because, well, there's a couple of reasons. Um, the biggest reason is I want to become my best version of myself. And I'm going to go in depth into that. So I teach, right? I'm a sensei. I teach kids for a living. It's my favorite thing to do. It is my most favorite thing to do. I love it so much. Like making a little kid smile, it is truly like the most beautiful thing. Like in my opinion, I just love it. Right. And helping them overcome their own struggles, helping them believe in themselves, instilling confidence, belief, all these good things just makes me feel whole. And one of the things that I always teach is about courage, being brave, uh, stepping out of your comfort zone, right? Facing your fears. So for me, one of my biggest fears is hurting people and specifically fighting. Like one of my biggest fears is uh, not only hurting people, but also getting hurt myself. And... It's something that I still sometimes uh, have a hard time with, whether I'm sparring or fighting, right? And for me, it's when I teach my kids, like, you can't have bravery without fear. You need to face your fears. Don't let them control you. I'd be almost hypocritical to do it myself, right? Because for me, the scariest thing is fighting. So if I give in to my fear, it's almost like I'm doing the exact opposite of what I'm teaching. At the same time, I'm not being a good example. And as well as 
how can I teach? Because like I teach at the dojo, but like like you, like I want to spread goodness to the world. I want to take it to the biggest uh, dilation possible, essentially, where I can help people watching me from across the world. I'm trying to send a message. I'm not trying to just fight and that's it. I'm trying to help little kids or anyone of any age believe in themselves, become their best version of themselves, face their fears, right? So it's like, how can I do that if I don't face my own fear? How can I do that if I give into my own, uh, you know, fears or my own whatever anxieties, doubts, disbeliefs? And so for me, fighting is not just about hurting people. It's about trying to help others believe in themselves because that's one of the things that I also struggle with. Uh, Self-doubt and anxiety and paranoia is a pain in the butt. And I would hate to see someone else succumb to that and give into that and see people uh, self self implode because of that, because I have done that and I know how painful it is. And uh, I, I, I'm not going to go into religion, of course, either, but this is also another point too. Uh, so I, I'm religious, right? I believe in God. And I was watching David Goggins, but you know, David Goggins is right or Someone's got to carry that log. <laughs> Stay hard. Uh, he said something that really touched me. He was talking, I don't know if he was on the Joe Rogan experience or just someone, but it was a clip I saw. And he was saying how he is afraid that when he goes to meet God, he's going to talk to God. And God's going to talk about him and say, David Goggins, you're this, 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 right? So for, for, for my case, it would be Michael Claycomb, champion fighter, best karate fighter ever. Uh, um, the best sensei, great father, great husband, great son, great uh, partner, great all these things. My One of my biggest fears is looking at God and saying, I, I think you got the wrong person. I don't know. That's not me. What are you talking about? And God looks at me and says, no, that's who you're supposed to be. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So for me, that's like, damn. Because I have given into fear. I have given into anxiety and all these things. And I can't look myself in the mirror when I do. I can't look at myself as a sensei, as a man, as a fighter. I feel like a loser. And even though fighting is painful and it hurts and it's scary, what's more scary is that. What's more scary is being a loser, not being the person that I know I'm supposed to be or that I think I'm supposed to be at least, you know? And so for me, like, that's, that's why I fight because it is the scariest thing. And that's exactly why I have to do it. Why I have to be better because I don't want to be looking back. Let's say I decide to quit and be like, well, you never overcame your fear. And then five minutes later, like, yeah, I'm a man. Like, no, I can't say that. Like I, I could never live that down. Like I struggle with guilt so badly. Like I would never be able to do that. You yeah, know, I think. I think it's really important and every everyone has said everyone I've had on the podcast so far has said the same things. I think that's very important for everyone to understand too is you have to fight or or, or even do anything in life any endeavor to compete against yourself. You're being right. the best version of yourself and that's why you do it. Mm-hmm. Um and to be honest, I initially did not step in the ring for that. It was I wanted Maybe. to prove I wanted to prove to everyone else that I could do it. It wasn't mm-hmm. and I lost. It was only when I wanted to prove to myself that I could do it that, that I start winning. Right? right? When I wanted to prove to everyone else that, oh, I can do this, or look how good I am, or I know karate, I can right, that's when it was bad. When I started, when I self-reflected, questioned if I really wanted to do it, started thinking seriously about it and started saying, no, I need to do this to prove to myself that I can do it, that I can, that I'm capable of setting my mind to a task and accomplishing it. When I started looking inward is when I started to be successful, I'll say, quote unquote, in, in my endeavors and also the inspiration to others, I think, is a huge part of it. 
I have yeah. people reach out to me on Instagram sometimes and be like, Hey, I saw your last fight. Like, great job. Like you, you make me want to do, you make me want to fight or you make me want to chase my dreams or, and even like you said, with the teaching aspect, it's almost like you do feel like a fraud if you can't do it. If I'm teaching this thing and I've never done it, it's almost like on what am I, what am I doing? So I think that is very important for everyone who's listening to this to understand that, I mean, this, this whole thing is, this whole podcast has not been about physical karate. I feel like a lot of it has been about the philosophy of karate and how that is a parallel to a lot of different things in life. Right. Right. And that's the thing too, is like my last Friday, uh, last Saturday, I got marked out 30 seconds. I was in physically the best shape of my life. I think I told you this too, uh, in our, in our texts, I was in the best shape of my life. I have never felt so chiseled, so strong, so fast. I've never felt so amazing just physically and everything that went wrong wasn't physical. It was all. And the thing is too, it really hit me was I had my little kids there. I had my little kids there. Uh, some, some were there because they, they always go and they always love and support. I had some kids that were there for the first time that were crying because, you know, I got knocked out. Uh, I didn't technically get like knocked out like that. <laughs> I, I was able to get back to my feet. You didn't I, get I do slept. Feel, yeah, I didn't get slept. Uh, I've never been technically slept, thankfully. Hopefully I never comes to that. Uh, but still, like, I gave in to my fear. I gave in to the idea of getting hurt, all that, all that nasty stuff. I let, uh, the little guy over here get in my head too much. And I, I, I surrendered to that when I shouldn't have. And that's like, I, I cried for like two days straight. Like once I realized that and it just, it affected me so much where I was like, dude, why, like, why am I doing this? And I looked at myself in the mirror and I was like, if you give up right now, you're just going to be like everything that that guy has been saying that you are a loser, you're scared, you're this. And I don't think being scared is a bad thing. A lot of people think having fear is a bad thing. I actually think having fears is probably one of the best things because it's such a motivator and it's such uh, an ally in so many ways to help you push yourself. And I feel like people that don't have fear, they're almost like not human to that extent. You know, like you need to be afraid because when you're scared, it, it makes you either step up or not, you know? And, uh, yeah, so that's, that's why I do this. I'm trying to help others around me. And I, I'm a big fan of the quote, uh, when the, when the tide comes, like all, uh, all sails, uh, all ships sail together. You know what I mean? <laughs> I wouldn't want to be the only one to overcome my fears, my anxiety, my disbeliefs my whatever it is right like this little this little monster over here on my shoulder i wouldn't want to be the only one and going back to like my kids it's like to see them if they were to get to that point where they self-implode because they didn't know how to overcome it because i couldn't help them that makes me feel so bad to a whole nother level like if i have the opportunity and the ability to help them but i can't because i give into myself and then I see them giving to themselves because they don't know any better because they're kids. It's like, dude, I feel like such an a-hole because it's like, it, 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 I almost feel selfish. It's like, you need to, you need to be better, not only for yourself, but for them too. You know what I mean? And that's, that's a big reason as to why I do this. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's really powerful. Um, Hard to get a little emotional. <laughs> no, I I think I think that's really important. I mean, you touched on a lot of things that I personally resonate with too, and relate with, and respond with. I mean, for me, I my entire life has been karate and the martial arts, 
And I have always been told that the martial arts is a parallel for life. Like what you, like the, the things you will, the things you will face in karate and the martial arts, physical and mental will prepare you and reflect the challenges that you'll face in your everyday life. Um, and I think that it's important to understand just to understand that. Um, right. Well, are there any, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, I was going to say like, that's another thing too, that a lot of people, uh, have a misconception about, about like being a black belt is like being a black belt is just the beginning. Like when people say like, oh yeah, dude, I got my black belt. I'm done. I'm like, like, what do you mean? Like, I just got started when I got my black belt. And black belt, it, is, black belt is the understanding of the fundamentals. Right. That's what, right. Like that's literally first degree, we call it show done. So done means level, show means like beginner. And one of the mindsets is show sheen, beginner mind. So if you understand that and you understand that being a black belt is just the beginning, then there really is no, no stop. And the way I always tell my kids is like, white belt to black belt is a b c d e s g all the way to z and once you understand the abcs okay now you can go become shakespeare it's like yes. okay, now you start with words now you start with sentences yeah. and then paragraphs and then essays and then stories and then poetry and that's where the artistry comes in is because now it's up to you to phrase things and make stories of how you want it to be based on your own you know and I feel yeah. like a lot of people don't understand that. I think it's, yeah, 100% agree. Like, that has always been what it is. That's always been what's taught to me is black belt is you can do the fundamentals pretty okay. <laughs> right. Like, but they can still get better. <laughs> right? Like, you can do the fundamentals pretty okay. Now right. now it's time to you you refine them. You did the marsh. You got the martial part down. Now that we're a black belt, it's time to do the art part, and it's time right. to, it's time to implement everything. Um, right. Is there anything else you kind of want to close on? I think we touched on a lot of really good things today. Um, any last uh, pieces of wisdom? I don't know. I, I think we didn't touch on everything. Um, I think just uh, maybe a little last continuation of everything that's been said, uh, just for the people in the audience, whoever decides to listen. Um, I'd say if there are things in your heart or mind that you do doubt about yourself or disbelieve in yourself or you have confusion about, I would say the only way that you can clear up all those things in your life is by taking action if you just wait and decide to sit around and hope that they go away they never will and that's something that i sometimes struggle with is taking that first step because the first step is the hardest i'm gonna and, or, i'm gonna oh. close this off with two quotes from the greatest karate master of all time mr miyagi Number oh, one over it. Number number one is the heart remembers and reminds the brain what it forgets sometimes. And number two is you're walking down the road, right side okay, left side okay. If you walk down the middle, sooner or later, squished squished like grape. Right? Mm. Right? So like you said, you have you have to take action. You have to do something. You can't stay undecisive. And always your heart remembers things that your mind forgets. Right. Exactly. And the thing about that too is failure isn't uh, making a wrong choice or, you know, maybe I left, I should have gone right. Like that's not failure. The failure is deciding to stop. Uh, as you know, Thomas Edison always said, I didn't fail a million times. I figured out how to not make a light bulb a million times. So don't be afraid of making mistakes. Don't be afraid of stepping 
and doing something out of your comfort zone because you don't know the unknown. The only way to know the unknown is by going and finding out. And through that is the true success because that'll eventually lead you to the path that you want to be. So for all those listening, if you have any doubts, you don't believe in taking that first step, just take it. And I promise you, you, you won't uh, doubt it when you look back because you're going to be happy that what you figured out, maybe it was the right choice or maybe it wasn't. And that in itself will lead you to where you want to be. All right, Michael, thank you so much for the wisdom you've given us today. I really thank enjoyed you. today's thank conversation. Aaron. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. And it was a pleasure. You know, I, we've been talking about this for a couple months now. And, uh, you know, after being at the Kumite together, uh, so much has happened within my own personal life. I know a lot has happened with you too. So I feel like it's always good to reconnect, uh, build stronger friendships, you know, um, like I said, you know, my goal is to try and help everyone in this world, not just myself. I'd feel like a selfish piece of dog poop if that was my goal. <laughs> so giving, thank you for you giving me this platform to try and help everyone. You know, that's that's one of my goals that I'm, I'm doing this for. Uh, it's not just for me. You know, I want to see all, all people thrive and become their best version. So thank you. All right. Well, thank you so much.